and welcome to this podcast from CityWire in association with GAM Investments. My name is Amy Maxwell. I'm the managing editor of CityWire Engage and I'll be your host today. Joining me for this episode are two fund managers with decades of experience running UK equity income. Here in the studio, we have Adrian Gosden and Chris Morrison, both investment directors at GAM with responsibility for the fund management and investment strategy of UK equities at the group. Now, the UK market is losing supermarkets, defence, healthcare and waste management companies at a record rate to private equity, US and emerging market investors. Why? Well, one of the reasons is that it's irresistibly cheap. It's also seen dividends slashed across the board and an incredible turnaround in the bidding process. A lot then to discuss. Over the next half an hour or so, we're going to delve into the experience of managing money in this extraordinary environment and find out what the future holds for UK equity income. Adrian, I'm going to start with you, if I may. Let's begin at 2020, which was a pretty horrible year for the market. Why was it hit so badly? You're right to describe it. It was a horrible year. Chris and I launched the GAM UK Equity Income Fund three and a half years ago and almost straight off the bat we're into Brexit. But 2020 was characterised obviously by the pandemic and that was the thing that really caused uh, problems in the UK market. It caused problems globally but the UK market did very badly. The UK market, the FTSE 100, was down 10% in 2020. Yet if you're investing in something like the NASDAQ, you're up 40%. So it's almost as if we're on a completely different planet. But the point is, is that the UK equity market is... Uh, driven by its dividends. Dividends are a very key part of the UK equity market. They make up about half the return profile. So once you start slashing dividends, and that's what happened in 2020, you're eroding the enthusiasm for UK equities. It's already been eroded due to Brexit from some international investors, but then you just start cutting dividends and you just find there's just a lack of interest. And that's why the UK equity market did so badly in 2020. But there is something to take away from that is that as we move into 2021 uh, and we're now into the second half of 2021, companies are starting to return to paying dividends because they've got themselves into a position where they maybe understand the pandemic a bit better, the shops are open, the hospitality is open, and more importantly, the regulator, the, the regulator that stepped forward and said, by the way, banks, no dividends during this phase, this looks nasty. The regulators had another think about that and said, actually, you've done well, you can now start paying dividends. And that's why if you read any newspaper article, you've got this amazingly strong return in dividends. And that's a very positive story for UK equities. And those cuts were really quite brutal. They were brutal, 40%. So there used to be about 100 billion of cash paid out from UK listed companies to their shareholders in that year. And then in 2020, that dropped to 60 billion. I know they all sound like huge numbers, but that's a big drop. And if you think about all the people at home who are saving or in pension funds who are using UK equities, um, they had less to spend as a result of these dividend cuts. So to see them coming back is, is very important. And also it helps that companies have had the ability now, they've, they've cut the dividend maybe to more s- sensible levels. Um, so in some sectors, they were typically over-distributing before the pandemic, um, paying too much out of earnings or too, too much earnings. And, um, but now they've cut to a level where it's much more sensible. And actually from here, you can grow. And it's that growth in dividend that's really, really important. Um, and then that filters through to our fund as well. So you have a nice dividend growth for the, for the next few years for our, for our unit holders. 
well, that's excellent. Let, let's cut then to, to 2021, which is a completely different story. So how do things stand today? I mean, is the market still looks pretty undervalued. Yeah, I, I think we would use that a, as a measure, but um, it's very hard. They're all kind of theoretical, aren't they? Should it be on a PE of 12, 14, 16? We don't know. We put it into a relative context and compare it to, say, the US or Asia and stuff and, and th think that is the case. Uh, but it's seeing these sort of dividends come through that give us the confidence. Uh, because if we're going to get, say, a 4% yield off the market, that compares to zero on cash in the bank or half a percent on government 10-year bonds. So that does look good value to, to us, and that's why we're prepared to put clients' money uh, to work. Um, there are other indications that the market is, is in a better place, and that is from what we hear from the companies. So literally on a month-by-month -month basis, we get an update from our companies about how they're doing. And first out of the traps after the pandemic was construction and industrial. So the construction sites were opened almost immediately. And you've seen them reporting better and better trading. In fact, it's now even better in those areas, uh, such as construction, uh, than it was uh, prior to the pandemic. So that's you know very positive. And as we move through, we've now moved into having our retail outlets open, the hospitality is opening, and it's not all perfect. I'm not I'm not trying to sort of gloss over the fact. Clearly, travel is a nightmare at the moment with all, all the changes in rules. But you know we are getting there, and slowly companies are telling us that things are better. So we've gone from a place where they needed maybe some capital assistance because things were so bad they were shut. Uh, to a place where they are now handing capital back to investors through dividends. You know, that's that's a huge difference. So 2021 will be seen as a year that we emerged from the darkness of 2020 as an, as an investment market. And we, what we now need to look forward to is the continuation of that on into 2022 and beyond. And as Chris mentioned, that growth in the dividend, it can't just be a one-off, that, that's no help to anyone. If it's continual growth, then people get more confident about it and are prepared to invest more in, in UK. You talked there a little bit about um, the companies needing capital and what was your experience you know in the early days of the pandemic in when it came to fundraising uh, from what I understand there was quite a rallying together in the market to enable these companies to to kind of withstand those really really tough months yeah it was it, it was a moment when the equity markets really stood up um, and, and did their job um, there's a way you can raise money relatively quickly, and that's by um, raising less than 10% of capital. And we saw that happening across the whole of the market, the equity market. Um, and, and they were all supported in a lot of cases by shareholders. And this is a time where, you know, management team, they're completely shut for business. Um, there's no profits coming in. So they, they do need some cash to, to free up the balance sheet and obviously keep the business alive. So it's incredibly important for them. Um, and, and also an opportunity for us, you know, we, we could step up, support management team, and also, in other occasions, we could buy into new companies as well that, we, that weren't in the portfolio. Typically, we hold only around 50 stocks in the portfolio. So some of these businesses are very, very good businesses, but it, it might be in an area where it's just shut for business. Um, and it meant that we could join the capital raise uh, at a good price and then become shareholders on that register. So by handing a lifeline at that point in time, do you think you've enabled that dividend flow to, to become more resilient now? 
Yes, yeah. So it feeds through to the balance sheet. It strengthens that. Um, and as as we've seen, things reopen. Uh, profits have come back, and in some cases, companies have re- that have raised money, they've actually returned all the money back to shareholders uh, that they raised. That's that's in a, a few cases, um, but a lot of those companies have now reinstated their dividends dividends as well. And how did those sorts of conversations go when you were speaking to management? I imagine, I mean, they were probably quite stressed and <laughs> yeah I, I think that is right and don't remember the environment we're sitting at home hopefully not in our pajamas on a zoom call you know this is pretty and then you're meeting management most of them chris and i would know historically having done it for a kind of long time and occasionally not not know so well they're being advised by um you know some investment banks who have some you know quite precarious projections out there that if the virus stays around for this amount of time and there's no, uh, you're going to need this amount of money and if you come back you need you know it's not an easy situation for anyone in that in that particular moment and uh, it takes a bit of experience and um, experience you know is, is a term people use kind of quite a lot but having seen situations like uh, the technology uh, crash in 2000, the financial crisis in a way, and now seeing this one, it, it kind of steals you for these sort of conversations. Like, you know it's going to be terrible, but, you know, it's like a company like Informa was trying to raise a billion pounds. You know, these are big numbers. It was, they didn't just want a little bit of money. They needed a lot of money, and that company did, as well as business information, it did events for businesses. And as you know, you know, events just weren't happening, so that side of their business was producing no money whatsoever. Uh, they needed help, and that, that's what the equity market... And to be fair, the equity market did it pretty well. As Chris mentioned, the speed uh, was the uh, important part, to get this done quickly so that the businesses were in the right shape, that when business did come back, they were ready to press the button and go, right, we're open for business. And with that comes comes the dividends, which is the thing we need for our unit holders. But the equity market's ability to step up, put capital forward, was actually what it's there for uh, uh, as an instrument. So that was good news. And and these weren't really leaps of faith, were they? They were they were kind of established relationships that you had, or or how did it go if you were kind of committing capital to new businesses? Yeah, it's not leap of faith is something that we don't really do. Uh, we are UK equity income, so we're going to be plotting a course to uh, a more solid company, uh, paying out some cash flow as dividends to our union. That that's how it works. So if a company came to us with a business model which was completely sort of torn apart, and it's just something that we don't do. We we are not um, sort of kind of special situations funds and sort of that. But a good existing business that is momentarily shut, you know, like uh, National Express, you know, the coach operator in the UK also runs businesses in Spain and also in the US. You know, people not moving around because they're locked in their homes. But that mean they will never leave their homes again? That, that wasn't a huge leap of faith for us. And as long as it's run by the right management team, they're just asking for capital to see themselves through that lockdown period. And Chris and I would make an assessment about when potentially it could reopen. Uh, and then I don't think that is a leap of faith. It's just, a, it's just an ability to, to see how much uh, you want to apply in terms of capital over which time period. Okay. Um- Let's talk about one of the other big factors in the market right now, which is the huge amount of M&A which is taking place. What is driving that? Yeah, it's a, a combination of, of factors at the moment. We've seen, um, as you say, a huge amount across um, defence. The supermarkets, obviously, very topical. Um, healthcare, we've had had some activity there. And, and also, actually, even today, we've had one in waste management we're talking about. Um a few factors at play. Why has it come about? It's um, 
if you, if you think of why the typically private equity are looking at the UK market through a, a lens of cash flow, um, the way we we focus on companies is is to look at those that can generate generate a lot of free cash flow relative to their market value, and we want them to pay out dividends um, from that cash flow and also reinvest in in the business. So, you know, we 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 also look through a similar lens to private equity. So we're seeing um, a few of our companies in the portfolio have been have been bid for. But it's, it is a, 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 uh, completely across the board. Um, I think the one thing in common is, is the valuation. So that, that is probably the biggest driver. I think um, they've looked at the market, private equity. You've, you've had a situation, particularly going back to um, around 2016, uh, sort of Brexit time, weak sterling, UK market was particularly unpopular. Those domestic companies um, were, were really out of favour, trading very cheaply on cheap valuations. Sort of fast forward to last year, then coupled with the pandemic, very unpopular, out of favour. But actually, these are good businesses, throwing off a lot of cash. The cost of debt financing is incredibly low, so private equity is sort of ready to move. Um, and you've seen that. You've just seen a lot of activity, and it's really because the market is so undervalued, um, which is a good thing. You know, f- for us, um, it's a good thing, you know, and on the flip side as well, there's some arguments that could be negative as well. But for us, we're looking for returns of, you know, typically 7% a year. That's what the UK market has averaged over the last 100 years, 7%. One of our software companies was bid for at 100% premium. You know, we can collect that the next day we can sell out of that. So, you know, we can make a decision um, whether to support it or not. But ultimately, in that case, it's very good for our for our unit holders, and we can recycle that capital into new ideas. So we have 50 stocks in the portfolio, and and whilst the number of names are reducing um, in the market because of the bid activity, there's still a huge number of companies uh, out there that um, that one can buy, and we're, we're having no problems with new ideas at all. I mean, the, the UK's kind of laggard status. I mean, you, you referenced um, earlier on at the beginning that um, you know in 2020 it, it, it fell. 10% while the Nasdaq rose nearly 50%. I mean is there much dif- I mean is there the, that much difference between the UK market and the US market? Yeah. And and what is you know why why is sentiment so poor in the UK? Yeah, so, well the sentiment's an interesting thing. There is a big difference between markets and we we have to kind of be clear on this. So emerging markets in terms of population growth, uh you know currency strength or in terms of the US that technology component. That year you're talking about Amazon went up 80% and Apple went up 80%, you know. We don't have an Amazon and we don't have an Apple listed in London. So the composition of the market is is different. But that's not to say that the companies that are listed in London are rubbish. You know, there's some really good long-term cash generative companies there with excellent market share positions and they are valuable. But you make an interesting point. I think that my personal view is that the UK market does not price risk correctly. It's very... Uh, down on the prospects of a number of companies. It thinks that it might all come to an end quite quickly or it doesn't think they've got a very good market. And and constantly they're revisiting the future of those companies. Whereas if you go to some markets, uh, there's not really much doubt at all in some of those companies how brilliant they are and how they will continue to be brilliant. And I think it might just be something in the United Kingdom psyche. We were talking earlier about winning a 2012 Olympics, you know. And for some people, well, that's amazing. And for quite a few people, it's like, oh, it's going to be a disaster. The traffic will be terrible. We're bound to kind of mess everything up. 
It was a huge success, a great advert for United Kingdom. And it just depends how you look at it. I know there's some countries out there, if they win an Olympics, they go absolutely crazy for it because they really believe in it and what it means for their country. So uh, I think what you'll see in the UK, if we don't start to slowly appreciate the longevity of these companies that are on our market, they'll be taken out and they won't be there when we want them next time. I mean, if you look at some of the, the successes, look, we, we, we did come up with a vaccine. We were one of the few countries that did come up with, you know, this is, you know, this is a, that that takes expertise of on a massive scale to achieve something like that. So there are kind of resources and talented people within this country that you know, go on to build value within the equity market. Uh, yeah, it's in, it's in a lot of areas as well. You know, we focus... You know, everyone thinks, um, you know, it's all about electric vehicles in the U.S. There is some great development in battery technology in the United Kingdom. Uh, you mentioned the science, you know, coming up with a vaccine within 12 months uh, out of Oxford, you know, it's just never been done before. And there you have it. Uh, and in sort of renewables, you know, the U.K. is making some really big strides. In fact, the biggest employer in the whole of Scotland is SSE. Uh, which is uh, a, you know a power generator which is striding forwards with renewables at uh, as rate as fast as anyone in the world, and as a result of that, you know we should be proud of that sort of stuff. My point is they should also get rated on the stock market as you know, a great company. So if you go to Denmark, uh, Orsted is on 45 times earnings because it's a wind power company. Everyone loves it. Uh, and you come back to the United Kingdom, you'd be lucky to pay 16 times for SSE because we just don't seem to generate the enthusiasm. I know they're not the same companies. I know they might have a different amounts of debt. It's just illustrative of the difference. It's not a difference between 16 and 17. It's a difference between 16 and 45. And that is why I think you see all this corporate activity in the UK. And also, um, you shouldn't forget that our hunting ground is around 1,000 stocks as well. So... Uh, within the FTSE All Share, I think you've got around 650 stocks, and then we, we sort of broaden the net a bit wider than that as well. So, amongst that, there's some very good, fast-growing companies as well that you can pick up on good valuations. And a big part of our process, which um, you know is is really interesting, and exciting for us, is to get to know these management teams. We we go and see them, um, especially down the, the mid and small cap end, where that's really really important, and sort of go and uh, sit across the table from them and, and talk about where the next product's coming from and, 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 and the growth in the company, um, which you don't see that in the newspapers. All you hear about is the big companies. Um, you know, and, and, and typically in the FTSE 100, they are, they are slower growing, and that's the nature of it. But uh, down in the mid and small cap end, where we have 50% of the portfolio, um, they're really, really exciting companies. So could you talk me through maybe some of the areas which are looking kind of most interesting in a world in which we may see more inflation? Yeah, well, broadly, most of them would be uh, starting to come on your radar. So anything from insurance to banking, you know, that specifically for us, banking is very interesting because of some of these inputs. If they do move in a direction we think they were they're very positive very very positive for cash generation and the ability to pay dividends and we've not had that and those broadly banks start at a low valuation so they're a discount to their book price so you, the chances are you could make capital for your clients and you could also get the dividends so that would be really good news exciting time for 
that you guys be running money in this space. It's a bit of a purple patch. Well, no, it's, it's become a purple patch. I can tell you, Chris and I were discussing Brexit for 437 times a day. Uh, that was not that purple. And when we were discussing uh, the pandemic, <laughs> yes. And then when we had to become trained virologists during the <laughs> pandemic, we weren't finding that so purple. Uh, now, as we get to talk about dividends, which is actually what we do as a job, uh, we do feel much better about it. And when these bid situations come along and they go, we think that company's worth 40% more, would you like to sell it? We're like, we, we knew that. that that's we know. And it, you get some validation that actually what you did, the analysis you did, the company you met, the meetings you had, they work. And that's for the good of the unit holders. So, yeah. Purple now, but definitely not purple the last couple of years. Well, gentlemen, it's been delightful. It's been a fantastic conversation. Thank you very much for sharing your experiences of what's been an extraordinary couple of years. <laughs> You're welcome. Thank you very much for that. Appreciate Thanks very much it. for having us. Yeah.